everybody. Welcome to episode 182 of SwiftCast. This is Nate. Ashley. Steph. And Adam. And this is our very first episode of 2017. Happy New Year. Ooh. <laughs> I cannot believe it. We started recording episodes in 2013. I'm excited. Can you believe it? We made it this far. I mean, basically four years. I mean, this is crazy. This is the longest relationship I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are very excited that you guys are tuning in to us uh, for our first episode of the year. First of all, first big piece of news of the year, Ed Sheeran. Uh, well, for those of you who don't know, Ed Sheeran toured with Taylor for a long time. They're longtime friends. Uh, he just came out with a brand new album. It was a huge surprise. Uh, nobody saw it coming, really, for basically the first week of 2017. So he released two singles um, from his new album that's going to be called Divide. Uh, he released Shape of You and Castle on the Hill. Personally, I listen to them. I think they're both awesome. I'm excited. I, I can't wait for this album to come out. It feels like we've been waiting for years. Years, literally. It has been. <laughs> I mean, we have, but it was an entire full year that he went off of social media. Yeah, so obviously Taylor has been on a break since the end of the 1989 World Tour, but Ed honestly took the truest form of a break in that he went completely off the map and we never saw or heard from him at all, so it's great to have him back. Yeah, and really, when you think about Multiply, it was released in pretty early of 2014 like june-ish i think um and here we are in 2017 and we still don't have an album but we at least have songs and we know there's an album coming but to put it into perspective a little bit back in 2015 when ed announced that he was taking a break which as we said then lasted for a full year he said to my fans the third album is on its way and is the best thing i have made thus far See you all next autumn, and thank you for being amazing. So it's funny, on the first day of autumn in 2016, a few months ago, everybody was tweeting, where's Ed? Ed, we're ready for you. But he kept us waiting a little longer. And I think based on the songs and the reception of the songs, it's worth the wait. Oh, I definitely agree. I think both of them are really catchy. Is he... Uh, you know, barring like a full album drop. I mean, is it unheard of to release two singles like he did at the same time? That's a good question. I don't know. The radio is playing Shape of You instead of Castle on the Hill. But his manager, Stuart Camp, confirmed that there will be music videos for both of those songs. Hmm. And I listened to this interview that Ed did, and he said he wanted to release both of these songs because they're so different. And he wanted fans to see the diversity of the new album. I can't even imagine what the rest of the album is going to be like. I feel like it's going to exceed everyone's expectations. And of course, we can't talk about it without mentioning Taylor's tweet that she had about it. I don't know about you guys. I thought it was pretty funny. I loved it because Taylor intertwined one of my favorite shows, The Office, into her post about Ed. <laughs> I love The Office. She quoted Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, in an episode that actually aired after the Super Bowl in 2009. It was an episode of The Office when they have this fire girl. Mm -hmm. Which is hands down one of the funniest episodes of the <laughs> entire show, just by the way. 
Yeah, it, it's an old episode, but if you've never seen it, you should watch it, If you, especially if you like The Office. But Taylor just wrote, in all caps, Oh my god, okay, it's happening, everybody stay calm. And, of course, she included a screenshot of 13 seconds into the song, Shape of You. <laughs> Had to be 13. She would. She's consistent like that. So I know that Nate said he liked uh, both of the songs a lot. Um, what Did you guys have a, a favorite, one that you liked better than the other? For me, Castle on the Hill is my favorite, if I had to choose. Shape of You, I think, will definitely grow on me, because I do really like it. I've only heard it maybe three times, and I like it. I just think it will grow on me more and more as I hear it. For some reason, I can see Shape of You having a remix with, like, a rapper. Yeah. Well, interestingly, Ed said that Shape of You was written for Rihanna, and then he decided to take it. I think I do prefer Castle on the Hill, but I really love them both. Yeah, I like Castle on the Hill as well. And then, like you guys said, I think when I hear Shape of You on the radio a bunch of times, uh, it'll it'll start to become an, an awesome song that's a, a hit in the next few months on the radio. You know, for me, Ed Sheeran is just one of those artists, uh, much like Taylor, probably the only two artists, really. I mean, there might be more, but when they release an album, I enjoy 100% of that album. Every song in there is just so good. I mean, Ed Sheeran is just one of those artists for me. For me, too. Ed is my second favorite artist, and I have Taylor to thank for that. He's so reliable. And if you have time to look up Castle on the Hill, the acoustic version that Ed did for the BBC, it is just amazing. And Ed is one of those people who sounds better live than he does on the album, which is just unheard of today with the use of auto-tune and backtracking and all of that stuff. Can you guys imagine if Taylor had never brought him on the Red Tour and introduced him into our lives? I'm sure I would not be the fan I am of him had she not. I probably would have liked some of the songs on the radio, but I don't think I would have downloaded all the songs. And that was the other thing, too. I mean, when you say that, I think seeing him live and then translating that to how the album turns out, I mean, seeing him live is incredible. I mean, there's there's almost no difference from hearing uh, the album. I mean, just like the sound quality. I mean, everything's so raw. Everything's so um, genuine, basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's just one reason why, I don't know, he's just that good of an artist for me. I personally love how he takes four-minute songs and turns them into 15-minute yeah, performances. Yeah. <laughs> Which sometimes I laugh at, but really I do enjoy it. Yeah, some of his songs during the Red Tour, like Ashley said, would be at least nine minutes, and I miss them. I'll always remember, you need me, I don't need you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is brilliant. And even Photograph which I saw him do on his last tour for Multiply. He made, it's a pretty long song already, and he made it longer, which was awesome. So if you guys have not listened yet to Shape of You or Castle on the Hill, definitely go check it out. Totally going to be worth uh, every dollar that you spend on both of those songs. And we are going to be mentioning a little bit more about Ed a little bit later in our news section, so stay tuned. For now, we're going to be moving into some of Taylor's older tweets. Our first one comes from January 3rd, 2009, which is eight years ago. Crazy. Wow. 
<laughs> We're all old. I don't like it. And the tweet said, woke up, ran, met with set designer, downloaded new episodes of Grey's Anatomy. So they were designing the Fearless Tour. Right. Wow. Eight years ago. And I also can't believe this was eight years ago. The next day, January 4th of 2009, Taylor wrote, just got finished rehearsing with the band. Now picking out clothes for Saturday Night Live. And then just four days later, on January 8th of 2009, Taylor tweeted, Doing rehearsals at SNL, Lady Antebellum is in the same building. Just sat and laughed with them in the SNL audience chairs, like a movie. And we always say that we hope Taylor will one day host SNL again. True that. Maybe for the 10-year anniversary. So we have to wait until 2019? No. <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> Hopefully not, but that would be... I feel like by then she has to do it. Hopefully for album six promotion. That's my hope. Yes, me too. I'll go with that. Our next tweet comes from January 4th, 2010. And Taylor tweeted, Sorry to Grant for after having a dream where you were bitten by a shark, calling at 4 a.m. to make you swear to stay on land. Our next one is from January 6th, 2010. I'm riding in a helicopter right now, and I have service up here, heading to the People's Choice Awards, mid-air tweeting, so 2010. (laughs) (laughs) That was very 2010. Twitter was just getting popular then, I feel like. Right. And another tweet about the People's Choice Awards was from the following year, 2011. On January 6th, Taylor wrote, Thank you so much for the People's Choice Award. It's sitting here all sparkly in my hotel room. I love you guys. And the next tweet is from January 5th, 2012. Taylor tweeted, It would be so cool to see Safe and Sound back in the top 10 on iTunes. P.S. Just finished Catching Fire. And of course, this was after Taylor released Safe and Sound in December of 2011. So it seems appropriate that on this episode, we're going to be talking about another song Taylor wrote for a movie in our main discussion later on. So our next one comes from January 8th of 2014. And Taylor tweeted, So a VMA just came in the mail. And she posted an Instagram video of, literally, a VMA coming in the mail. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, she opened up the box. There's a moon man in there. It was cool. That really is one of the coolest awards in terms of how the trophy looks, how the award looks. The moon man. I think so, too. Throw this Grammy nonsense out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting how they mailed them. I remember when Taylor was mailing them to everybody in the Bad Blood video. Especially when the show's in August and they mailed them in January. So that's all we have for some of Taylor's older tweets. Uh, now we're going to be moving into our new segment. Ashley, why don't you kick us off? Our first piece of news is that Taylor got her 70th Hot 100 hit for I Don't Want to Live Forever, and this tied her with Nicki Minaj for the second most amongst all women. Yeah, and now she's only three behind Aretha Franklin for the most Hot 100 hits of all time. So with album six, I have a feeling she will pass her. And our next piece of news is that Taylor stopped to visit Cyrus Porter, who is a 96-year-old veteran at his home in Missouri over the holidays. And I remember seeing that 
he was a huge Taylor fan, and I don't know exactly how this whole thing originated, but it was known that he was a huge Taylor fan, and she just decided to go and visit him unexpectedly, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think his local news station just did a feature on him as a veteran, and he mentioned in it that he loves Taylor, and so it just kind of got out from there. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. I didn't know that. Awesome. I I remember reading somewhere that he had gone to a couple of Taylor shows as well. I mean, being, you know, well, at least above 90 when he went, but still. (laughs) Yeah, and that was the only time we saw Taylor really at all in December, right? We didn't see her for her birthday. She didn't make any posts. We she didn't make any posts on Christmas. It was really a silent December. It was nice to see that she was out. And I feel like all of that silence probably means that she's getting ready to seriously kill us all in 2017. <laughs> I agree with that. And another one of the reasons why I think that is because just this week, the first week of January, Taylor returned pretty actively to Tumblr after being off of it for a very long time. Yeah, which kind of brings us into our next little bit of news. Um, Because Taylor was on this Tumblr liking spree, one of the things that she ended up liking on Tumblr actually referenced basically the next album. So... I don't know about you guys, but I'm holding out hope that that means that the next album is coming, hopefully soon. Who knows? Yeah, people were posting a lot about the fact that her next album is on all these lists that people are putting out of most anticipated albums of 2017. Even though there's been no announcement, it's still already so highly anticipated. Yes, and somebody else referenced the lyric of I don't want to live forever and just said, Taylor wrote, wondering if I just dodged a bullet or lost the love of my life, quoting, I don't want to live forever. And then the person wrote, that's just from I don't want to live forever. Imagine the quality of the next album. And Taylor liked that, which is pretty exciting. That seems like surefire evidence. I don't know. I'm just saying. And on her liking spree, another item that she liked was a quote from Ed that said, we have plans to work together soon. So that seems like a confirmation that hopefully they are writing together or will be soon in the future. Or at least release one of those songs that they wrote forever ago. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something that was exciting that happened just last week is there's a new mural on Broadway in Nashville, and it's a Legends Corner mural, and Taylor's included on it. It has a lot of different country stars, Alan Jackson, Reba McIntyre, Dolly Parton, Garth Brooks, Blake Shelton, but Taylor's right there in the front. It's pretty neat to see. Yeah, front and center, that's crazy. (laughs) Like, Like, my god, alongside all these legends, you'd think, I don't know, anybody. I mean, well, of course, Taylor's huge, but... Still, that's crazy to me. I want to see it in person now. I do too, because I don't know if I feel like the picture of her actually looks like her. That's what I was going to say. I saw some posts on social media about how it doesn't really reflect how she dresses or how she looks because she's wearing jeans, which she almost never does. Right. She has jeans and a blue tank top on. I guess because it's Nashville, they just 
need people to wear jeans. I don't know. <laughs> they have jeans on most of the people in the picture. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I just, I really want to see it in person. Maybe they just wanted to make her look more country for the that mural. I don't know. Had they put her in the crop top, it might have looked kind of weird. I also feel like they know that by putting her in this mural, people will travel to Nashville just to take pictures <laughs> with it. Seriously. Absolutely. So it's a nice tourism boost. So our last bit of news for you guys this week. Uh, the new trailer for Fifty Shades Darker features I Don't Want to Live Forever. I think that's pretty exciting. We kind of saw it coming, but, you know. So, hey, if you guys haven't seen the trailer, go to YouTube and check it out. So tonight is the Golden Globes, and uh, just for something fun for our fashion segment this week, we decided to look at all of Taylor's past dresses for the Golden Globes. Uh, She really has quite a variety of everything over the years. Yeah, and this is pretty exciting because this week we're talking about I Don't Want to Live Forever, which of course is a song for Fifty Shades Darker. And Taylor was at the Golden Globes twice. First, she was nominated for Safe and Sound, and she attended back in 2013. Then she was nominated for Sweeter Than Fiction, and she attended in 2014. So hopefully that means this time next year we'll be talking about how Taylor's been nominated for I Don't Want to Live Forever. At first I thought the song was released too late, But then I thought about it and remembered that Safe and Sound was released way back in December of 2011 and was nominated in 2013. And the song was featured in the movie, which was released in March. And here the movie will be released in February. So I still think she'll have a good shot of being nominated for this new song next year. Yeah, I know that was a lot to follow, but hey, fingers crossed. Hopefully next year, yeah. Uh, she'll be at the 2018 Golden Globes. I feel like it's such a tough award show, you know, and even when she's nominated, there's always so much great competition, but I would really love to see her win in the future. Definitely, along with an Oscar, of course. They should just throw awards at Taylor, just every kind of award ever. Just keep sending them Taylor's way. (laughs) And I feel like music awards are somewhat overlooked at the Golden Globes because they're mostly for television and movies Mm -hmm. so obviously they're still a huge deal but i think you know the general public focuses more on the actors and actresses from the movies and tv shows so so do you guys have a favorite look of taylor's from these past award shows and after parties my favorite is the 2015 yellow dress because i've always thought that it looks like a speak now air dress Agreed. I love that one. And that was at an after party in 2015. She wasn't actually at the ceremony. But I probably would go with the black and red red carpet dress in 2014 when she was nominated for Sweeter Than Fiction. Yeah, I think that's my favorite too. I'm going to have to agree. That one's my favorite as well. Though as far as the, uh, the 2013 dress... I always remember this. I don't know why, but I remember when Taylor was on the red carpet, and I want to say it was Ryan Seacrest who was interviewing her, and he said, he said, I love your dress. It's eggplant. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) 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 But it is. It's it's an eggplant purple dress. Uh, And it's very elegant, really. It's It's a very elegant dress. I don't know. Yeah, very classy. Yeah, I like the way it swooped out. It was kind of tight in the bodice and then swooped out. 
and had a little train. And some interesting things that happened those years in 2013 is when Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted and kind of made a joke about Taylor related to Michael J. Fox's son. And then Michael J. Fox ended up calling Taylor and apologizing. And it was a whole big thing, kind of dramatic, not through any fault of Taylor's. But that's just the way the media reacts around her. And then in 2014, it was hilarious because Jennifer Lawrence interrupted Taylor's interview, just came up behind her. But it was funny, scared her. It was kind of viral everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that in 2014, Taylor had Austin as her date. And then that year, she went to an after party and wore a black dress. And she hung out with Bono from U2. Yeah, and that dress she wore to the 2014 after party. It was like a black, tight, fishnet style dress. I mean, uh, very different than a lot of the things we had seen Taylor wear up to that point. And even still, I don't think she's ever worn anything quite like that again. Yeah, it was different, but I, I did like it. I thought that she looked great. Uh, Taylor looks great in everything. She could wear a garbage bag and. <laughs> I think she should one of these times. <laughs> Just to make sure she can pull it off. Just to, yeah. While Taylor still has yet to be really officially seen for 2017, she was in London just yesterday with Zane filming the I Don't Want to Live Forever video, which we're going to be talking about some of our predictions in a little bit. But there really aren't any photos of her, so I can't wait to see what her first official outing or look of the year is, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it soon. Which brings us into our main discussion for the episode. I Don't Want to Live Forever. I mean, the song came out last month kind of out of nowhere. I mean, really, it just kind of dropped. Uh, Everyone's kind of going crazy. Uh, For those of you who don't know what the song is, uh, it is a promotion for Fifty Shades Darker. It's technically... Zane from One Direction, his song featuring Taylor, um, though they're both pretty equally throughout the song. I mean, uh, they both have a lot of airtime. And if you guys haven't heard the song, please go listen to it before, you know, we kind of start breaking down the song for you. It's really very good. I mean, very poppy, very uh, kind of like a darker edge to it. I mean, it's just a very it's a it's a great song. I mean, there's not much more to say just outright. So. Without further ado, we're just going to kind of jump into the song and uh, start talking about it. Yeah, and I know we talked about it a little bit with some of you guys when we did the listener call-ins for Taylor's birthday, but we really haven't had a chance to talk about it in depth. And I think because it's the first really time that she released the song completely by surprise, it took me a while to process my feelings about it. It was a shock. Nobody expected it. I mean, the closest thing I can think of that she's done before is when she released Safe and Sound. But even for that, I think she tweeted like a few hours before it released or something. And the same with Sweeter Than Fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and the other thing with both of those songs, I mean, there has nowhere near the amount of artist power, I guess, that is on this song. I mean, Zane is humongous right now, probably for a very long time to kind of keep it secret for that long is really pretty remarkable. And the fact that they had Jack Antonoff produce it, it's just an incredible team all around. Yeah, we actually don't know when they came up with this, but Jack Antonoff did give us some 
little tweets about it just for some background before we jump into the lyrics. He tweeted that I don't want to live forever it came together very quickly. Wrote it with Taylor and Sam Du and produced it at home mostly on paper sounds, which is interesting. And then he also tweeted, recorded Taylor at my house. Zane sent parts from LA. We did it in a week, basically. I've never had something come out that quick. I find that really interesting that they recorded their parts completely separate. Uh, I don't know much about the music industry, if that's common for songs that have two different vocalists on them, but it's pretty cool that they recorded it separately and then Jack put it together and how it sounds in the final version. Yeah, I actually think it might be more common than you would think. Okay. I'm pretty sure that for Highway Don't Care, Keith Urban, Tim McGraw, and Taylor all separately recorded each part and then it just got put together. Oh, did they? Hmm. I believe that's correct. It seems like that would be really difficult to do, but I guess it's not. Yeah, I think it is pretty common because I've been to a lot of songwriter sessions and when they tell the stories behind the songs, it seems like usually it is all kind of disjointed and then it gets put together into a final product. And sounds completely uniform. Which is, I think, really just the mark of working with a great producer. Right. Good point. And when you have someone like Jack, you're in good hands. I wish Jack could just produce all music. (laughs) (laughs) Literally everything. I feel like he's just such an amazing producer and I never will get sick of he and Taylor working together. Yeah, you know, this song, even though it is Jack and Taylor and Sam do, it doesn't sound anything like the other songs they've worked on together, like Sweeter Than Fiction and Out of the Woods and You Are In Love. It just sounds very diverse. And even with I Wish You Would as another example, they don't sound the same. So we'll talk about the lyrics of this song, because like we said, Taylor, Jack, and Sam do put this all together. So sonically, I mean, I just want to throw this out first, uh, only because when I first heard the song, it really reminded me of Pillow Talk. Have you ever, have you guys ever heard that song? Right, isn't that Zane's song? Yeah, it's yes. Zane's song on the radio. I mean, it, to me, it just, yeah, like I said, sonically, it just sounds very similar. I don't know, I don't know if you guys uh, agree with that or not. I do. I had not heard that comparison yet, but that's very true. Obviously... Zane has a very high range on his voice, and that's the first thing that stands out in this song, too. Uh, and then when you mention Pillow Talk, uh, it, it's very similar in terms of the range of his voice. Yeah, and it kind of has a similar tempo. It does. I feel like you could mash up the two songs easily. Anyway, that was just kind of like the initial vibe that I got from the song. Well, before we get into the lyrics, one thing I wanted to look up on my own because I didn't know I didn't know who Sam Du was, but he's actually a singer-songwriter from Chicago, and he's worked with people like Mary J. Blige, who we know Sailor's a big fan of, Rihanna, who of course did This Is What You Came For, and he's even done some work for other movies, like Divergent. He was a co-writer for the song Stranger, which appeared on the soundtrack for that movie. So he is a pretty big deal to say the least yeah he's done a lot of r&b and hip-hop songs which is interesting because when the radio first played this song just on my local station the djs were just floored by it it was 
great how much they loved it, but they said they thought it had an R&B vibe to it, which when I first heard it, I didn't really think about. But Sam Du does a lot of R&B kind of work, and when you listen to it, you can kind of feel that R&B edge to it. Which personally, I think that suits the song very well. I mean, for the lyrics, I think everything just works together very nicely. So the song itself is about basically this this heartache, desperately missing somebody. It's about, uh, I mean, from both perspectives, really, um, the fact that you have Zayn and Taylor kind of doing this duet kind of illustrates how two people in the relationship can be missing each other basically don't want to go on any longer without seeing this other person, just this, this desperation of missing somebody, basically. Yeah, it's actually kind of depressing. It is pretty depressing, actually. It's a, I don't, it's not intended to be a happy song at all. Yeah, the movie, from what I understand, it's a pretty dramatic and intense love story, so I think it definitely fits. Yeah, I think the really first lines of the song show that desperation where Zane sings, been sitting eyes wide open behind these four walls, hoping no call. It's just a cool existence, like it's no point hoping at all. And throughout the song, they talk about how they both feel crazy. They're up all night. And the line, what is happening to me, recurs throughout the song. Yeah, so Zane gets the first verse and then the first chorus. And then we get Taylor's voice in the second verse. And her lines start with, I'm sitting wise eyed open and I got one thing stuck in my mind. Wondering if I dodged a bullet or just lost the love of my life. And then she goes into the pre-chorus. And then they both go into the main chorus again. Uh, And just going back to her first lines there. I saw on social media that everybody's favorite line of this whole song seems to be, wondering if I dodged a bullet or just lost the love of my life. And I agree with people who say that it's also my favorite line. Yeah, it's a cool lyric. It's very powerful. Yeah, it kind of just strikes a chord, I think. Just the way she sings it, too. It feels really sad. Hmm. Sad but relatable, too. I mean, uh, I'm sure everyone has some type of heartache that they've gone through that, uh, where, like Adam said, just strikes a chord. And really, in a way, this kind of reminds me of I Wish You Would. When you have the two different perspectives, because in that song you have the exes driving past her house missing her and she doesn't know it she's missing him just as much and in a way this song reminds me of that it's just the two different perspectives they both really feel the same way but they don't seem to know it you know it's funny you said that because the song of taylor's that i thought it most resembled was actually the last time where taylor and gary lightbody sang a duet the message may be a little bit different, but still two sides of the same coin in the sense that uh, you have two people in a relationship who um, are trying to communicate basically the same thing to each other, but uh, aren't getting through to each other, if that if that makes sense. so Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and now that I just said that about I Wish You Would, that was also a Jack Antonoff song. But I could see both of those. For Ashley and Adam, does this song remind you of any other songs? It- it's so different that it's hard to think of one, which is good. I was just thinking about how one of the reasons maybe that Taylor decided to 
the work on the song for the Fifty Shades movie, because this is the second movie in the series. In the first movie, Ellie Goulding had the song Love Me Like You Do, which was a huge smash hit, so I'm sure she saw how well that did. Right. And that song was so huge, I don't even think people know what movie it was for, or that it was even for a movie, which I think the same thing could happen here easily. And Love Me Like You Do peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, and I Don't Want to Live Forever is also on the Hot 100 already and doing really well, so I can't wait to see how many records it ends up breaking. Yeah, I've been hearing it more on the radio. It takes a while. It's always a slow burn for every song, but I think by the time the movie comes out next month, it will be all over the place. And to finish out the the song, I wanted to ask you guys, I thought my favorite part was the bridge. I think this is called the bridge. Uh, when you have, the, starting with the line, I've been looking sad in all the nicest places. And I really like that part because you get the alternating voices. You get his voice and her voice and his voice and her voice. And it just comes together really well. And then ends with that line where she has the, the very high part. Now I'm in a cab. I'll tell him where your place is. That's a cool part. I like it. Yes, I love that part. And it's such interesting imagery to visualize. I've been looking sad in all the nicest places. For me, I just think of Taylor sitting in this really fancy restaurant looking sad or in a hotel lobby or looking very elegant and just being really sad. Mm -hmm. Sad, beautiful, tragic type of... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the vibe I got from the the very last line of the song, which is Taylor's, when she says, until you come back home, the way that they recorded that and her voice in that part, I get a haunted vibe or like it's like haunting. It's very cool the way she says that last line. Yes, it's so good that they ended with her that way. It just ties it up nicely. I don't know about you guys. I definitely find that when... I hear it starting on the radio. I get just as excited as any other Taylor song. Absolutely. Yeah, I blast it. Right. Even though it's a Zane featuring Taylor song, I, I'm the same way. I agree. It's just, for me, it just seems like a really emotional song that you can feel the desperation, just the loneliness and sadness. I think it's very, very well done. And so to tie it all together, uh, we can't mention this song now without mentioning the music video. As of this time, we know almost nothing about the music video. Uh, They were just filming it. it. They were filming it in London. They were filming it outside and they had a ton of like wind and rain machines. And I guess it was this whole like epic production kind of thing. I guess there was a scene where maybe Zane was possibly getting out of a car and some paparazzi were uh, photographing him. And also potentially a scene uh, like in a restaurant with them doing these things. Maybe, Steph, that's what the nicest places are. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, anyway, uh, I'm excited to see the music video. I know anything with Taylor featured in it for myself, uh, instant. I mean, I have to stop everything I'm doing and go watch it. Exactly, and it's been so long since we've had a music video that it'll be good to see her again. Yes, the last music video really would have been Wildest Dreams because New Romantics was tour footage. Wow, you're right. Jeez. That's forever ago. 
So I don't know if... I haven't heard anything about Joseph Kahn being involved in this, but it will be interesting to see. I also don't know if they'll have any footage from the movie at all. For Safe and Sound, that music video didn't have any footage from the movie, but sometimes movie music videos have some. I just don't know. And the movie is set to be released on February 10th, so you would anticipate that the music video would be released a couple weeks beforehand, so I would have to predict that it'll be released in late January at some point. It is always incredible how quickly they can turn them around, so yeah, I don't think we'll be waiting too long either. And do you guys think there would be any chance of a surprise Grammy performance? I hope there would be a surprise Grammy performance. I don't know if there would be, no. Yeah, we talked about this on a different episode, how Taylor's never missed a Grammy ceremony, but this year she's not nominated. So we were saying hopefully she'll present or at least attend. But it would be great to see a surprise performance. Mm, A duet. It'd be awesome. And it lines right up with the movie release date. That's very true. So it would be perfect timing. I don't know. I personally think that the first performance of the song will be in Houston. It might be. It really may be. Do you think that Zane would show up as a special guest? I think so. I think it's such a huge event. And with the partnership with AT&T and this being an exclusive concert, I think there will just be a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, I think that is very possible. I agree. And again, with the timing, it's right before the movie comes out. Well, I know one thing is for certain, that within the coming weeks, it's going to get very exciting with all of the promotion for this movie, where I'm sure the music video is going to come out, and it's going to be fantastic, as usual. So thank you guys for listening to the episode. Uh, We want to remind you to please press the subscribe button on iTunes, and it will download our latest episode for you automatically each week. Uh, If you guys would like to comment about anything that we talked about, uh, if you guys would like to submit for any of our mini-segments or anything like that, you can find us on social media. Our Twitter is at SwiftCast13. Our Tumblr is SwiftCast13.tumblr.com. Our Instagram, Instagram.com slash SwiftCast13. Facebook is Facebook.com slash SwiftCast13. You can email us at SwiftCast13show at gmail.com. Or you can find all of those things on our website, SwiftCast13.com. So to end out the show, what do you think next week Taylor will do? What do you guys think? This is so tough because she's been missing in action for a long time. Maybe she'll visit another veteran. (laughs) Maybe she'll tell us what she did on Christmas. That would be great. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Because we really have no idea, and usually we have something. Whether it's she's dressing up as an elf, or her dad's giving her a gift, or her mom's giving her cat carriers. We also don't even know what she did for her birthday. Yeah, nothing. It would be nice to see a throwback to to the holidays and her birthday. I think we'll get our first candid of 2017. Like Nate said, we haven't seen her out and about or photographed anywhere. So I bet that she'll be back in the United States, maybe in New York, and we'll see her out on the street somewhere. Yeah, I think we'll see her on an outing with friends pretty soon, probably this week. 
Yeah, so I guess some pretty safe bets all around. I mean, hopefully at least one of those is right within the next week, basically. Yeah, I hope so. It's been a long time. I'm glad that she's taking a break and enjoying her time, but... Let's get back to it, Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, it's always nice to see her out and about. She definitely knows places to hide. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) So, for episode 182 of SwiftCast, this has been Nate, Ashley, Steph, and Adam. And we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.